Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This isn't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front ever, and no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You keep that shit at home, and you know what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. If you enjoy this podcast, it's a free podcast, folks. Give it a like, share it across the internet, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, I did get a, uh, I did get a comment about it. Um, having uh, profanity, you know, I did fucking tag it as explicit. So if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud, it's tagged as explicit. All right. So don't listen to it if you don't like it. All right. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com or meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess or hello YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers if and when I ever get my shit together and get this uh, video editing and up. And I'll keep saying that at some point I'll actually make it happen. So I appreciate you guys uh, working with me on that. All right. Legal disclaimer. You know it was coming. It's the way of the world, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment or investment decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Be a fucking adult. Don't sue me. All right. I hate that shit, but we got to do it. Sorry, folks. Show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investor Show Quote. I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully for your week. And I, I also try and do something that I think may apply to our guest. So this week's quote. There are always two people in every picture, the photographer and the viewer. And hopefully he doesn't hate Ansel Adams. There are always two people in every picture, the photographer and the viewer. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest, Andy Schwartz. And I'm just saying right now, I did not write this. Normally, I do write the bio, but his wonderful woman, Lynn, did this. And I wish she could write all my bio. So I don't want you to think it for one second I did this, folks. So here we go. I just copied and pasted. It was so good. Andy Schwartz is a Metro Detroit photographer and the owner of Stylish Detroit, a photography studio that has been photographing homes for interior designers, auction houses, investors, and many of the area's top producing real estate agents, including several past guests on this podcast. That's why he's here. A lifelong interest in photography turned into a profession when, along with his partner, Andy started a wedding and portrait photography business in 2007. Soon after that, Stylish Detroit was born. Voila! What was originally started as a side project has now grown into Andy's primary business as word of mouth about his work spread. Also, I just looking at the shit on MLS really helps too. Last year, he photographed 277 homes. And he told me before he actually had a goal for 300. I like that he had a goal, including a $5.6 million, 20,000 square foot luxury hunting lodge. That sounds badass. And the Drummond Island Resort Complex in the Upper Peninsula. That sounds badass too. Have to talk about that. That said, most of his work is closer to home, and thanks to his images, he's watched his clients' own businesses grow. His work has been featured online 
Uh, and Curb Detroit, Crane's Business, the Detroit Free Press, Forbes.com, and Entrepreneur.com. In addition to architectural work, Andy also does commercial and headshot photography, which is an area where he expects to see some more growth in the coming year. I like how much you plan. A world traveler and a Michigan resident of 18 years, he currently resides in Gross Point Park with his girlfriend and his two dogs, which are gorgeous, by the way, including his girlfriend, but the dogs especially. No, I'm just kidding. His, they're good-looking dogs, though. Before photography, Andy worked in the IT industry and is passionate about technology, particularly when it comes to using technology to create efficient workflows. He's also a lifelong music lover and in the past life built guitars in Phoenix, Arizona. Andy could be found on Twitter and Instagram, both at Andy Schwartz, A-N-D-Y-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, also at Stylish Detroit. This is both on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can go to his website, stylishdetroit.com. Welcome, Andy. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Awesome. A little closer to the mic. There you go. Perfect. All right. I'm looking forward to this. So I heard about you from back in the back in the day. Uh <laughs> When Todd Waller um, was a much smaller agent, I think he came to <laughs> RDI, not physically, but you know, just did a lot less, and he was still doing it in Metro Detroit before he was in Ann Arbor. And he came and he did a couple of presentations at Renegade Detroit Investors, and one of the things he mentioned was the importance of hiring a professional photographer to show your client's home and the best light. So that's when I was um, first made aware that you existed. And actually, you had an interesting story of how you initially found me, too, if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing that. Because we found each other different ways and yeah. very different means. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's cool. Todd's, Todd's been a longtime uh, client of mine. And uh, so I found you through uh, your kombucha videos and yes. your homesteading uh, videos. I get so much hate for those kombucha videos, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, we were interested in brewing our own kombucha, and, and you had all the dog videos and the, the, the rescue and the fostering. and uh, yeah, It is a really small world sometimes. Yeah. Like two people can find each other from completely different sources, and so I didn't even know until you told me today. So yeah, That's bizarre. I think it's very – it's intensely interesting, too. And um, if you want to go – those YouTube videos are still up, too. If you go and Google it, you can, you can watch them. So. so, obviously, lots of questions here. Um, Photography, I almost hate to say the word. For whatever reason, especially in a world of pictures, most people don't pay much attention to pictures. I know they take pictures, they post pictures, which is fine. But in business, when you're taking pictures and posting pictures, um, there's there's purpose. You're, you're trying to accomplish something rather, other than just the picture, That's right? right? So... This is something I've been I've been thinking about for a while, and and the industry in general, um, and it could be real estate business. Obviously, we're we're kind of both here on this podcast, but much thought isn't given to pictures. It seems like, especially people think they're saving money or something like. Well, I'll go take it with my iPhone. That's right. Which I'm not saying you can't take great pictures with your iPhone. I'm sure somebody who who can take great pictures can probably take great pictures with just about any device, right? Or better pictures than average. Sure. Um, before, before we get in too deep, though, do you have a, an overlying philosophy or a way at which you approach 
taking pictures. I'm sure you have a different approach for each client, but if there's just kind of in general how you how you start to get your your mind around it and how you how you approach it. Um, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, real estate being the focus of, of the photography that I that I do um, is a little bit of a different beast because you're really trying to capture sort of the true uh, the true look, the true feel. Um, at the same time, try to uh, kind of evoke a, a sort of an emotional connection to whoever the prospective viewer is. Um, so, and, and of course. It's not a person. It's not a. Uh, it's not an animal. It's 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 a space. And so, um, I look at it more on the sort of on the basis of trying to create uh, good lighting, uh, create a good texture in the image. Um, every house is different. Every uh, agent wants things a little bit differently. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's really just about. Creating that emotion, creating that the texture, creating good lighting, uh, a nice crisp image, I think, is what what sells a home uh, more so than just you know, taking something to take something and throw it up there. Now, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, anybody can take good pictures with with an iPhone these days. It's it's the the sort of the adage is uh, the best camera is the one that's with you, right? But for sure. That only goes so far. I mean, you can't... Uh, You're limited by the ape on the other end, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you, you have that. And, and, you know, there's just a time and a place for, um, you know, maybe saying, hey, uh, there's only so much I can do with this. Let me get someone in here or let me get a better camera or some someone in here to kind of kind of take over and do it right, you know? And, I would agree with that. Um, obviously, I do not have anywhere close to your skill, but I have always said that, um, pictures sell houses and the person taking the pictures at any organization is what I consider the tip of the spear. That is the, the first person in the team. A lot of things have to happen, but I've always pushed that if the person, it starts at the pictures and if you start poorly there, it affects everybody else along the line. That's, That's right. That's always been my approach. So I've always taken it very seriously and one of the reasons why i want, want to have you on this podcast so but in my excitement i'm getting ahead of myself i apologize so yeah, yeah. obviously you didn't start as a professional photographer working for real estate agents um at some point you decided to make that decision but i'm also is this a lifelong interest were you were you thinking about this as a kid were you thinking about it as a business as a kid or, or or well how did that transpire and how that develop over time you know Photography is something that's always been with me. Um, uh, to make a, a long story sort of short, you know, my father did photography. He always threw a camera in my hands. Um, he uh, always encouraged me. We set up dark rooms when I was younger. Um, and it's the one part of my life, uh, no matter what I've done, I mean, I've done a lot of things, as, as you mentioned, kind of in that, in that nice bio that Lynn wrote. Um, uh, it's the one thing that stuck with me the whole time in my life. And, um, I, it's, if you had asked me 10, 15 years ago, if I was going to be a real estate photographer or an architectural photographer, uh, I probably would have said no, just because it was, it was something that kind of started off, uh, I don't want to say by accident, but it, I kind of chanced upon it and, and it grew and, and I enjoy it. Um, it's, um, yeah, 
we started off, Lynn and I had started off a, a wedding and portrait business and uh, we, we ran that for seven years um, and had a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed working with clients. I enjoyed being a part of their lives and their memories. But this was one of those things that um, just kind of took over and uh, it's, it's been, it's been really rewarding as I, as I've built this kind of, uh, accidental business, if you will, as, as I've built up my client base and watched their businesses grow as a result of, of uh, I don't want to put myself at credit totally, but it, watching their business grow as my business grow and um, therefore increasing my volume with their volume. And it's, it's just been, uh, it's been really rewarding to build those relationships. So. Yeah. You kind of got in on the ground floor with some people and well, I think excellence has a tendency to find excellence too right and apathy finds apathy and Mm -hmm. neglect finds neglect i don't necessarily think that's an accident but i like your when you said chance how did you chance upon this business yeah i want to know more about this This is a long podcast we can have long stories i'm I'm intensely curious about this i mean so we were doing uh portraits and weddings um i had a I answered a lead, if you will, for a company that does uh, virtual tour sales. Uh, basically, they sell a service. What year was this? It's early, right? 2008. Yeah. Um, so this is when there were a lot of you know flash-based uh, virtual tours being sold with the oh, panoramas. God. Oh, yeah. I'm the, so glad that's gone. The, the spin-yourself-dizzy uh, <laughs> panoramas. and. Um, you know, I wanted to do something on a day-to-day basis on top of what we were doing with portraits and weddings. And I answered the call and I, and I started getting work. Now, you know, the pay was kind of garbage. I mean, they were, they were selling a service in volume to the area, very poorly marketed and uh, on their part. So I was left to try to figure something else out to do on top of this. And, um, fortunately I have a connection, um, who who kind of dropped some hints that maybe I should hit some of the uh, local board of realtors uh, agents and, and things of that nature, and I, I just did did some put some feelers out there and uh, got some work that way. Um, at at some point in time, I realized that working for this service wasn't doing it for me. I had also picked up Airbnb at that time. I was shooting. Uh, I was the first, as far as I know, I was the first photographer shooting Airbnb in the area. I no longer do that. But as I realized that certainly there was a way to keep my quality up and and earn a little more out of it, I decided to, well, work on building up my own sort of product delivery methods, business processes to kind of keep the quality level high, keep the customer satisfaction really high and build my own thing. And so as a result, I ended up starting Stylish Detroit, and, and I brought some of my clients with me um, from the uh, service that I was working for, and it really just kind of grew from there. Um, I am kind of a stickler for business process, and you, uh, some of the past IT work that I've done was was uh, and currently do a little bit of uh, is very much based around building good business process, automation, uh, things that work together to kind of keep things running smoothly. And 
one of the things that I did early on is I kind of tested out different methods of automating things like getting requests for shoots, um, scheduling shoots, uh, getting invoices done for shoots, and also image delivery. Combining all that stuff together um, in, in a sort of an automated way or in, in a business process way that allowed me to really kind of be a one-man show um, and run my own business. And I can be out on the road and I can see the text message saying, hey, you have another shoot request. Do you want to reply to it? Right? Th-? You know, and all these things just kind of built up. I don't know. Combine it really in the right way for me to um, really get it started. So that's kind of how you piece together making more money, keeping the quality high, but just keeping your your costs as low as you possibly can. So you wouldn't like somebody might just go out and hire an assistant. Right. Right. And instead, you're like, "Mm, I can automate this. I got the IT background. I Mm -hmm. can think like this and this can make me more competitive and I can make more money so I can stop working for these uh, photo cheapos. Right. Right. And and I mean, that only goes so far. I mean, at some point in time, you get reach a certain volume point where. Uh, having help would be nice or having extra shooters uh, would be nice. Um, and um, But the process works and it's allowed me to focus more on uh, my craft and, and hone my skills. And I, uh, I, my work has really developed since 2008, 2009, um, how I shoot, how I process my images. That's another automation piece that I've I've built in there is, is just in processing alone. I've put together some scripts that do certain things to all my images in bulk. And then I go in and fine tune them. And, and it's really become a, uh, sort of a, a, just a well, well-oiled machine, if you will. Yeah. It sounds like it. So now I'm going to go back in time because sure. you don't start taking good photos, right. Or great photos or, at least I don't, I mean, maybe somebody does, right? But there, yeah. there are probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pictures between the beginning and, and where you're at now. Sure. Um, if it makes sense, I, I don't know if it does. Was there a kind of a progression from whenever you started as a kid or a teenager or whatever? And, you know, just kind of following what interested you to where it became professional and, and money making, uh, what would that look like? Boy. I know, big question. It's okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, I can tell you the moment that it clicked for me. Um, and and this was, I was still pretty young. This is not a pro, on a professional level, but I was on a trip with some friends. We went roaming the country. I uh, loaded up the geo tracker and ran across the country. And I had my father's Nikon F photomic film camera with some really nice lenses. And uh, it's the first time that I really took the time to figure out how these settings on a camera work. And, and I, I still have the photos today. And, and bottom line is I came back from that trip, got my photos developed, and uh, was so just thrilled with using that gear and challenging myself with the, the different settings to, to get different effects. And that's the first time I was really hooked on doing this. How old were you? This must have been 18 or 19. Okay. Just out of high school. Yeah. Um, That's an impressionable time too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. a lot of fun. And I, I kind of put it, I didn't really take it on as a real serious craft though, until I got my first digital SLR, 
Um, in fact, that camera was with me for a while and it got stolen, the one that I just spoke about. I got a digital camera, my first digital SLR um, in 2005. Um, and uh, that changed everything for me. Um, just the ability to experiment to, and, and really you don't have to worry about film. You don't have to worry about processing. I had already, um, taken some basic Photoshop courses. Um, and that was at a really important time, I think in photography technology, because you had Adobe developing, um, what is now Adobe Lightroom or Photoshop Lightroom, which is, you know, really a serious editing thing. And it, at the time it was a, uh, to go and coincide with Photoshop. And it was a, um, it was, it was a very, uh, very primitive tool for, for doing what we do now. And this is, I live in this program every day now, but it was a good time to get into it because from the ground up, you could watch this technology grow and you can learn as this technology grew. And then, um, skip ahead to 2007. I meet Lynn and, uh, she was a photographer, hobbyist as well. She studied it at Wayne State, and and we both said, you know, let's try to do something with this. She had a friend who hired her to shoot a wedding, and uh, it was her friend's sister actually. And uh, she asked if I would do it with her, and that like literally from from that wedding, um, I was hooked on trying to do something with this professionally, and so was she. And That's cool. So like 2007 wedding, that was that was the break. The Schwartz break, the the Lynn Andy break was this <laughs> this friend's wedding. It's funny how beginnings can be so small sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. just a little turn to the left or a turn to the right. Right. And fast forward nine years, and it's become an obsession and a business, and that's right. Something you're actively growing. So this wedding, what was it about shooting the wedding and working with Lynn and all that that made you? Like, okay, I, this is, I need to do this. This is yeah. something we could do. I mean, the thing about weddings is, at least at the time, being a little more sort of, I don't want to say ignorant, but a little more, um, it was all new to me. I wasn't much of a, let's go to the family weddings type of guy. But at the same time, um, shooting the way we shot allowed me to be quite an innocent observer, but at the same time, focus on sort of capturing things from the sideline, capturing emotions, capturing people's reactions to other people's reactions. And that to me is like the magic of shooting a wedding is, is, um, is getting, getting those moments that are not, not the, Hey, stand in front of a wall, let's pose moments, but those moments where look at grandma tearing up in the front row of this church. And, and, you know, that's something that the brides never saw during the day. The groom never saw it during the day, but here it is. You've produced this beautiful image uh, showing that, that, and it allows them to kind of look back and, and kind of hold that to, you know, to their heart. And, you know, that to me is the magic of shooting a wedding. And, and, uh, we don't, don't really shoot weddings right now anymore, but that's the one reason that I would go back is for those things. That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. You're, you're capturing moments missed by especially the the bridal party because you're so yeah. busy and you're not a part of it. And right. It's kind of like you're, you're setting it in stone for them to come back and enjoy the parts they miss later. That's right. That's interesting. I, I see why you, you might, might like that. Isn't that kind of a high stress situation though? No, oh, a su- wedding. Super high stress. I mean, all the states, and, and it, right? And, it, and as we progressed, it got even more and more high stress. Um, and you know, um, I, we talk about going back and, and shooting weddings again. 
um, it, there's definitely something there that that I miss. Uh, I miss. I, can I say this? I miss shooting people. <laughs> um, I, that's the one thing about. Uh, you know, so uh, you know, we mentioned in, in the bio there that I do hope to kind of do a little more uh, sort of commercial work um, and and shoot more um, corporate headshots. Kind of kind of start interacting with people a little bit more again. Still keeping the real estate thing going, but so that's kind of. We could talk about that, but that's kind yeah. of one way I'm, I want to head. Yeah, so you miss shooting you, so much architecture, so much real estate houses. You kind yeah. of miss capturing those those moments, yeah. that little fly on the wall. Any any good uh, crazy wedding bride uh, no, stories? Man, I don't think I should talk about that. Probably here. not. Though. I'll get you in trouble if I ask you anything you don't want to ask. Just don't yeah. don't don't tell me because you know how I get. <laughs> I, I get everybody in trouble if you let me. So yeah, I imagine that's high stakes, and if you ever made even a small mistake it, it could be regrettable right yeah i mean you know there's there's uh contingencies for sure but uh <laughs> contingencies got three people shooting behind me just in case yeah yeah <laughs> but uh it's uh, that's a good thing about working with lynn is yeah. uh we complemented each other well we weren't one main shooter and one second shooter we were two main shooters looking at the event from different perspectives and mm-hmm. so uh we've been a good pair in that in that regard how do you feel about the transition from film to zeros and ones, digital media? Because that's something I'm interested in. I'm- There's just something about film that gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, but it's so cost prohibitive these days. And, it, you know, I would never shoot a wedding on film. I think I know people who do it and they do such a good job and, and I, uh, admire them for that, but I just, I would never, I I just couldn't even think about it. Um, real estate or, or even more accurately, probably architectural photography, true architectural photography, I think would be really cool to do a sort of a project strictly on film. As far as the transition goes, I mean, I don't think that there's been a better advancement in the world of photography. I also don't think there's been a worse advancement for photography than, than that, uh, that transition. I say that because I think it's turned a lot of would be or, or photographers into something kind of lazy. I mean, you really can get away with murder on, on digital photos. I mean, um, there's so much latitude in these files that you can edit in or out of to kind of fix things. And I think that, uh, you know, Photoshop has become a crutch, you know, um, the fact that, you know, I think it was uh, photographer Vincent Versace who said photography is not a verb and, and it's, it's, <laughs> I like sorry, that. sorry. Photoshop is not a verb. Photoshop, Photoshop is, not is not a verb. A verb. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's become that, you know, and um, I think that there was a lot more sort of innovation and creativity uh, with with film um, or sort of a greater dynamic to the innovation and creativity than there is with digital. People are doing amazing things with digital. Don't get me wrong. I mean, things you would never have achieved with film, but um, there's definitely uh, there's definitely something there. There's, there's something missing. Would you call digital like the people's photography, you know, and because you I think you are correct in that it is, especially with Photoshop now, it, it, I think you're not too far off when you say a crutch. It might be the whole thing a lot of times, right? Just point, shoot. 
Yeah. And we'll fix it later, you know, yeah. post-production. And fix it in post-production. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Fix it in post-production. Or you can get it right now. Yeah. And I mean, you were almost forced to with film, getting it right. Yeah. It, it, it was a waste of money or it was just such a poor exposure that you throw it away, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, what do you think are the pros and cons between the two? Just out of curiosity. I know we're getting nerd hurt real here, but I I, I got you here. I might as well ask, I like, right? I like getting yeah. nerdy. Yeah, um, let's do it. What are the pros and cons between film and digital? Pros and cons. I mean, well, one thing about digital is you really don't run out. I mean, you can shoot till the cows come home, you know, and, and uh, you're, you're uh, not worried about film. The cost, certainly the cost per click is uh, arguably cheaper than, than film. Um, I think the sort of the pros with film is, is if you're serious about it, you, you have to be very deliberate about what you do with what the, when you click that button, you know, it's, it's, you have to be, feel pretty confident or be pretty deliberate about what you're, what you're getting. And, um, that's a good thing. I think that challenges that for, that sort of constrains your creativity and, um, it forces you to, to think a little bit more, take your time. Uh, of course, you know, if you're shooting sports or, or a wedding, uh, taking your time isn't necessarily yeah. <laughs> the, the thing, but it, it does. I mean, you have to be, you have to think about the right moment. Yeah. More but, planning involved right in front. You got to make definitely. sure you know where you're going to be. Cause definitely. Now, of course, the cons there is it's it's expensive. I mean, you, I don't I don't know too many places where you can't develop a roll of film for and this is just regular thirty five millimeter for less than twelve to fifteen bucks. Maybe that's on the cheap side. Uh, probably more than that at some of these pro pro labs. Um, film, I think there the. Uh, Film the, these days, I think the barrier for entry for film is cheaper because you can go buy a used camera and you can go buy your rolls of film and, and shoot away. Digital, you have to have a computer to do it right. You have to have a computer. You have to be able to uh, have some software to kind of get into your photos a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think digital um, has allowed. Uh, I, th- I think digital is easier to kind of get into from a beginner perspective because there's so much you can do with it. You know, and that's why you see such a wide range of, of work out there. Um, what are your thoughts on all these filters and Instagram? And I'm just curious because well, uh, one of the things we always used to say, cause there are, there are, for example, in weddings, there are photographers out there that, that um, throw a filter on everything they do, you know? And, um, I feel like, do you remember the, remember the, the photos from the seventies of the couple in the, in the champagne, uh, gla- or the, uh, wine glass? Yeah, or the, yeah. I mean, and you know, when you look at that picture that that is from 1970s or eighties or, you know, whatever it, it crept into, I feel like the filters can show some of that aging as well. I feel like you look at a photo 20, 30 years from now and you see it looks like uh, somebody tea stained it or dropped their coffee on it. You know, I think you're going to know when that was, you know, and, and I, I just, with, with weddings anyway, I, I always liked a really clean, well exposed image. And, and I think that there's a point of creativity where you can 
color wash things a little bit, but I'm just, I, I don't, I'm not as big a fan. I, I think it, I think it does show a little bit of the dating of the image. Yeah. And I, I did have you, I did ask you to send me some, some stuff that you liked and I looked through and I did see, I don't, and I'm probably going to get all the words wrong, but it, it did seem very, I don't know, it's crisp, but the right, clear, mm-hmm. crisp, um, good contrast, no fuzzy whatsoever. Also kind of, I noticed expansive, um, large, tend to, I don't know, when I was looking at most of the stuff, especially the architecture pictures you sent me, where it seemed like I was looking close and looking far away without mm-hmm. even really realizing I was doing it. So mm-hmm. that does seem to accurately describe, um, what you like. I enjoyed what you, what you sent me too. And oh, I, cool. especially obviously for, for real estate, cause, and that's something I want to circle back to without getting too far ahead of myself yeah. is creating, I like how you said you're, you're trying to capture what the reality of the room while eliciting an emotional response. Yes. Because whether we like it or not, we may, we do think critically and often we make decisions emotionally. That's right. And if you're in the business of selling, you kind of want to do both. If you can, you want all the reasons to be there. Um, but a lot of times if you're missing, you're missing that emotional component, even though maybe you made a really great sales argument from reason, you're missing that emotional piece a lot of times you're not getting the job done that's right because we are emotional creatures let's face it it's arguing with my wife on the way here to the fucking coffee shop you know <laughs> oh, I was, I got, you know why was i doing that well i'm a dumbass space ape on the way to work before coffee you know what i'm saying <laughs> so emotions emotions rule our lives um that's really interesting so you much prefer than it sounds like despite your reservations with digital that is so because you said it's the best advancement and the worst advancement simultaneously and the dangers are laziness what, what do you do to combat laziness because i imagine that kind of creeps in like not working out or not waking up early the same time every day like little habits build up and you can catch yourself being lazy right yeah um i think it's important as a photographer to, to sort of stretch your legs and exercise a bit um whether that means personal projects, um, just trying things differently. Um, and I, I feel like it's, it's very easy, especially, I mean, you know, even, even myself, if, if, if I can go months just shooting homes every day, just click, 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 click. And, and, you know, I kind of, you get in this kind of rut and, um, it's not laziness, but it's, it's definitely, you know, you, you can, you can lose sight of what really brought you into the craft. Like get lost in the routine of it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Lost in the routine. Well, well let's, let's dive into it. I'm probably going to go backwards and forwards and yeah, sure. 10,000 times. Right. Cause I like how you said, Hey, you got to practice. Right. That's right. Um, how would you, and I don't like to ask, how would you recommend, um, how do you practice? And then maybe they can extrapolate how the audience could extrapolate, <laughs> how they could practice to turn out yeah. better pictures, right? I know like a workout, if you're going to go play football, you got to do some sprints, you got to do some push-ups, right? Yeah. What would be the Andy photography practice picture workout look like for someone who wanted sure. to step up their game? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's about um, sort of assigning constraints. Like, for example, I might say to myself, and 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 
you know, I'll, I'll admit this. I, I will do this on client's shoots. Like I will take um, and say, today I'm going to shoot with this 24 millimeter tilt shift lens. And that's the only lens I'm going to use. And I have my other lens if I know that I'm in a rut and, and I, I need to get myself out of trouble. But I know that I'm going to use this lens. And, and I know constraining using gear isn't always the most creative way to do it. But it does allow you to kind of say, all right, well, how am I going to make this work? Um, and how is this, how is this different than what I normally do? And, and I do that quite frequently, actually. Um, you know, the other thing is, um, I recently have changed my shooting technique to, um, include more lighting. Uh, normally I, I use a lot of natural lighting and kind of blended some ambient, uh, frames with, with flash frames. So I'm taking, taking a picture as you see it, uh, with the ambient light coming through the windows and through with the lights. And then I'm also taking a flash and taking a frame shooting various things. And then I'm kind of blending it. Now, um, I'm doing much more flash work than I was. And, and that's all stuff that, um, really required kind of, uh, I don't want to say on the job training, but I mean, it, you know, I t- take my gear differently and I'll, I'll go on a shoot and, and do it a little differently. I know that if I feel something's not jiving, I can always, go back to my, to my old methods. But, um, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I, I am lacking this year, um, is that I really want to do more personal work, um, uh, for my shoot for myself, you know? Um, but that's, that's another way that, um, normally I would, I would stretch my legs and, and kind of test myself. How many pictures a week do you think you take? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Before business and then after business. I just want to see just, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, hundreds, thousands, many thousands, many thousands. Yeah. yeah. I have noticed that that is some, obviously practice. It seems like a cliche, but it's only a cliche if it's not true. Practice doesn't make perfect, but practice does make a lot better, right? Oh, yeah. So you're just taking thousands, many thousands of at bats every week, and you've been doing that for years. Yeah. Since, uh, well, not if you include just the, just the real estate since 2008. Yeah. But obviously earlier than even that. How could, how would you, because what I'm trying to do, it's something I've been talking about at Renegade Detroit Investors for a long time. That I've obviously not done a good job selling or more people would do it. So I'm, I'm looking for the Andy sales pitch here on the tip of the spear, taking better pictures. Most of my audience are real estate investors and real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably about 70% of my audience that would be uh, true of. Um, what, what do you think would be some ways they could improve how are they were taking pictures? Improve. I don't think it's a substitute for hiring a professional, but you know a lot of them aren't. Or I think maybe if they start, they'll realize the limits of what they can do, see the better results, and maybe consider hiring somebody professional. Yeah. Um, boy. Put you on the spot, didn't I? It's, yeah. I did. I mean, it's okay. You know, I, I can't give away all my trade secrets. Hell no. Know? And don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. You got trade secrets? Um, but, you know, the, the big thing is, is oftentimes people are using uh, either their phone or they're using point and shoot cameras. There's nothing wrong with point and shoot cameras. The problem is that most point and shoot cameras do not have a wide enough angle lens to, in my in my opinion, properly convey the the sense of space. Amen. 
Um, Thank you, Andy. How many times do you see the picture of a bathroom, for example? And discounting the fact that the agent is in the mirror, um, <laughs> you, you, see, so many you times. see a picture and it's literally just the vanity. Like you don't get a sense of what, and it's because those cameras as wide as you can get on those cameras oftentimes do not have a wide enough angle lens. And, um, I love that you said that right out of the gate. Cause that's the only thing I would ever say. Cause you need a wide angle lens. You can tell when somebody's taking a picture in a room and they don't have, you don't see the room. That's it's true. It's, it's like there's a dimension missing or something and you can't quite put your finger on it. You're like, Oh, not a wide angle lens. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, Andy tip number one, wide Angle, Wide angle lens tip number two is learn exposure this is something i don't know anything um, about Did you got a mini lesson it's oh boy it's gets complex it but, is um you have several factors in your camera that affect exposure it this is assuming you have a camera that allows for manual adjustment of your exposure uh, not all point and shoots do a lot of oftentimes there's meant to be just that a point and shoot. Um, but you have aperture, which is the sort of the opening of the lens, the, uh, the Irish, if you will, that opens and closes, um, different settings for the aperture, uh, allow more or less light to hit the sensor. Then you have shutter speed. Shutter speed is how quickly the shutter, uh, opens and closes. And you'll, you can have, super slow, leave your shutter open, uh, let all the light in until the cows come home type of speed. And you can have uh one eight thousandth of a second on some cameras, which is so fast. You wouldn't even, wouldn't even notice it. And you're literally, that literally is also controlling how much light is, is hitting the lens or hitting the, the sensor. Then you have on digital cameras. Now you have your ISO setting, which is your, uh, think of it as the equivalent of film speed. And that is the sensitivity of the sensor to light. And all those factors combined um, affect how bright or dark your photo is. And there's a, there's a kind of a, an art to learning that and, and, and kind of mastering it for different situations. And on a basic level, with uh, point-and-shoot cameras, if you have an exposure compensation dial you should learn to use that dial to kind of brighten or darken an image. Oftentimes uh, with these sort of one shot uh, arc, uh, real estate images, you'll see uh, the image is so dark inside, but the light uh, coming from the window looks good, right? Or vice versa. Oh, yeah. the, the window light is just completely blown out the interior of the room. Um, and you can't make out the details in, in the details of the inside of the room, furniture or whatnot. And that's problematic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. You can't and tell what you're looking at. You can't see the details of the room. You don't have an accurate picture. You right. Know? Yeah. So it's it's not in those cases, it's not good. But these such extreme um, dynamic range of the room, it's uh, those are cases where it's not so great to let the camera decide what your exposure is. So I would say my, my next my second tip is learn your exposure. Mm, I got to do that. Um, that's just a practice thing. Just take lots of pictures, take pictures in your house, just mess with yeah. it until you, you feel I'll, more comfortable with it. And these days, most cameras give you a live preview of what's going on. So you can kind of see it on the fly too. So it's kind of cool. Um, my third and, and this kind of, man, this is probably could be higher up actually would be, uh, get a tripod. 
I mean, you're, you're, you're the thing about small spaces, wide angle or not, is you got these vertical lines and, and you, you see these pictures where it looks like the, the rooms, the walls are leaning in or leaning out. Good point. Yeah. And oftentimes a, a tripod will allow you to kind of sit it, look at the screen, figure out if it needs to be pointed up or pointed down to kind of fix those lines. That I, I, it's a subtle thing, but it makes or break the picture. I think tripod. That's a you know I should probably do that. I have one. I don't know why I don't use it. Yeah, yeah. Laziness, speed. Yeah, go X through. Is, X is a weapon if you need it. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good to have around. Homeboy jumps you in the basement taking pictures, <laughs> whacking with the tripod. Yeah, I was in a house, and this is actually one of the creepiest things ever i was taking pictures didn't even see this fucker in there he's laying on the ground he could oh, have man. reached out and touched me literally didn't even know he was in there didn't even know he's in there got got home later on i didn't even look at the pictures i just uploaded them steve sent me a text he's like dude he texted me the picture because he looked through and there was a homeless guy literally like in the dark in there and I didn't even see oh, him. Man. So yeah, it's terrifying thing. Have... So when you said tripod for us as a weapon, I immediately thought of that it was a terrifying <laughs> thing. I now check way, way better, by the way. So let's talk about preparation for setting yourself up for success when it comes time. So a lot of people look at a lot of houses, they take they take pictures, and I feel I think this is maybe the point you were alluding to with the disadvantage to digital is the maybe lazy lack of preparation. It is more forgiving for, for lack of preparation. But I think a lot of times when I'm looking at other people's photos, it becomes very obvious that there was not only a, a lack of preparation, but just a lack of how, how do I take a picture of a room? How do sure. I, t- it, it's like a combination to you can tell they weren't prepared when they showed up. And they didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So without giving away trade secrets or anything like that, I mean, how do you set yourself up for success? So when you show up to do a shoot, sure, you, you're, you're more likely to get what you want. And then I don't think most people are going to take the kind of pictures you take. So maybe if you can, um, I don't want to say dumb it down, but it is kind of dumb. <laughs> You know, the essential part of somebody taking a picture is how can they take a better picture of a house or a room? Um, yeah, as best you can. I mean, the the first thing, um, and kind of part of my part of my system, if you will, um, is when I when I meet a new client, or when I, oftentimes these days, it's not so much a face to face as much as a uh, initial emails and some conversation uh, over the phone. But um, I, I definitely try to educate uh, to some degree what I'm looking for when I enter a home. And, um, I also have a PDF worksheet that I send out to all my agents that has basically a very, and it's very basic and it's all, some of the stuff I think is stuff that you'd be like, Oh yeah, of course. But it really is my, it's my home prep sheet, if you will. And it'll, it, I love that you have one. <laughs> I encourage, yeah, well, it's, it's important. I mean, I encourage my agents and my clients to send it out to their homeowners or if it's, uh, if it's a vacant home, uh, you know, and they're taking it, if, if they're a property management company, taking some of the measures themselves. But um, very small things that can be done to um, prep the home for the shoot. Um, when I show up, 
I, I'm not a stager, okay? I don't like going into a home and having to – I'll make suggestions. But for real estate and, and the kind of uh, the kind of money that I'm, I'm charging for the work, I don't have time to um, rearrange someone's house or clean someone's house for them. So I'm hoping that the <laughs> – I'm hoping – you don't clean the bathroom on the way out. No, no, no. <laughs> um, and so, so I have this sheet that I that I send out, and they distribute it to their homeowners. And um, I would say nine times out of ten, everything's well followed. And that right there is the, the, probably the biggest uh, setting up for success thing that I do. Um, I like showing up to a house; all the lights are on for me. Um, all of the toys have been put away. You know. Um, if they have cats or pets, their their stuff has been properly taken care of. Um, you don't want the litter box in the picture. Litter box, yeah. Putting, steaming yeah. pile in the corner. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I like that um, you're setting the expectation before you even get there. You're like, it's hey, important. This is if you. I want to do the best work I can. I know you want it to turn out the best and I'm the tip of the spear and here's what I need to be as successful as possible. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to knock out five to six of these a day. And if, if I am delayed and, and because I have to wait for, um, Oh, we're just going to move this stuff from this room to this room while you shoot this room, you know, that sort of thing like that costs me a lot of time. And I allow for it. It happens. And I know that it happens. People are in the middle of moving. People are in the middle of, of restructuring their life to, to go somewhere else. And I understand that. But for the most part, just having those those uh, simple sh- hints on that sheet uh, does does a great job. And then, you know, I, I'm there to give suggestions if, if something's really out of place or something's out of whack. I don't like touching other people's stuff if I can avoid it. But, um, you know... Um, yeah, that I mean, as far as, as far as it goes, I think that education is is really the the key, um, setting that setting that up with the agents. What about the actual? I know nobody's very few people are going to take pictures like you, so just dumb it down as, and don't get upset, people. I said dumb it down, but quite frankly, we're all a lot dumber in this than Andy. Let's be honest about it, right? This is his fucking profession here, and you're just taking pictures with your iPhone. Um, wide angle camera mm-hmm. you set the expectation before you come best it's a combination of hey keep your house clean make sure just trying to set the best example and keep their expectation keep you know so they know what to expect when you show up yep and how do you approach actually taking the pictures do you have a particular order in which you do it in um a particular it, angle without no trade secrets of course right no no it's yep. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, I, I found myself like within the last year, I, I really do have a, a sort of a pattern that I like to follow, a flow through the house, if you will. All great people repeat, and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's I caught myself doing it. Literally one day, I was like, "Wait a minute, I do this every time," um, and that usually is uh, starting by the entryway of the home and working my way either clockwise or counterclockwise around the first level. Uh, then I do the upstairs, then I do the basement if there's a basement, and then I do the exterior last. Um, Interesting you do the exterior last. I like doing the exterior last because, um, first of all, um, I don't have to drag my dirty tripod legs and my uh, dirty shoes through the house. I mean, I I always take off my shoes, but um, 
it's it's just I just think it's a, a sort of a kindness thing, if you will. Um, and honestly, the exteriors are a lot quicker, a lot easier. So um, I just knock those out, get in my car, and go, and and that's that's how it works. But yeah, you know, as far as how I approach individual shots, I always um, I, composition in real estate photography is something that uh, I think makes or breaks a good interior image. And it's something that you learn. It's something that you kind of just experience over time. And, and I still, to this day, I'll look at an image and go, gosh, if I had just stood like two feet to the left and tilted my camera to the right, I would have made a whole difference in this, in this, this image. And you know, that, that happens. Um, but, um, you know, it really comes down to just learning how to see, the room in a way that sort of will give someone a connection to that room. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm i I'm an expert at it by any means, but it, you know, it's coming. It, it, it just, it, it, it something that you pick up. I love them. I come back to it. And now I want to talk about it. You're trying to represent the room as accurately as possible while creating an emotional connection. You said that, and that, that really that stuck with me. I don't know if you can describe it, but it, but if you could, how do you establish that? Do your best. I know, yeah. man, this shit's hard, it's, especially over... You, we're talking about pictures on a radio yeah, show. Yeah. So I understand I'm really setting... Of a house. So yeah. if, if anything that Andy says that maybe isn't all that great, just remember the understanding the limitations of this medium <laughs> as well, right? This is radio. It is difficult. Uh, I think you should definitely, by the way, while he's thinking about this, you go check him out. You can go to you go check him out on Twitter and Instagram and at Andy Schwartz and at Stylish Detroit. You go check him out there and you can get a much. Maybe while you're listening to this, you can kind of flick through the pictures and think. I think that might help maybe overcome the medium gap we're dealing with here on uh, on radio. So I know I'm setting you up for we're talking about it's like talking about paintings on a on a radio show pictures. Okay. Yeah. We're doing it. So sure. <laughs> do the best you can. Yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, everybody's getting their first impressions when they're shopping for a home these days online. So tip of the spear, man, tip of the spear. It's, it's, you have to create that bond from those images because that is, you know, as much as it's a, an aid to get someone connected to the home it can also be just as much of a detractor if your photos are bad or there's it's just blah or they're poorly exposed so to to kind of get back to the emotional side of things i think it's important to approach an interior area and look at it as if as if you're viewing it and want to be a part of that uh, scene or a part of that room. Um, for example, you, you shoot a living room and yes, it's good to have that super, uh, wide, uh, what is it? U F W a ultra fucking wide angle lens, which is like, <laughs> you know, you can see basically behind you and the problem there. And now that's good to set the scene. The problem there is you don't, it's really hard to kind of put yourself into that space. And so, Oftentimes, almost all the time, what you'll see is I'll take a little bit less wide angle approach and focus on, for example, a one point perspective of a couch in front of a fireplace. 
and it's warm and it's inviting and it, uh, regardless of whether it's, you know, this woman's furniture or this couple's furniture, uh, and it's not your furniture, but you, you want to look at it as if you can feel like your furniture is, is sitting in front of that fireplace and yeah, you're pretend it's your furniture, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And I think that that comes from good framing, um, good, co- or good composition rather. Um, and I think it's, it's setting those little sin- scenes or those little vignettes that kind of help establish that sort of emotional connection. Um, those, the scenes where you can really envision as a, as a buyer, you can envision yourself, this is my space. Like I'm going to have my couch there and I might paint the walls green, but look at it right now. It's really warm and inviting, you know? And those are the things that I think make a good interior image for real estate. Um, approaching architecture and interior design can be a little bit different because the subject matter is not necessarily about the, well, architecture maybe, but interior design might be more about the, uh, items and as they're arranged in the room and things like that. Yes, you want it to be warm and inviting, but you also want to show uh, color and texture and things. It's a little different, but for real estate, it's all about um, making that connection, getting people to connect with the space and feel like it's theirs. And you have to be able to make that impression within a photo or two of the listing being online. Because if you're saving those warm and fuzzy photos for 20 images down. They're not going to make it to 20 images. It's they're not going to get that far. I mean, um, it's kind of interesting actually. I, uh, one of the things that is a part of the sort of virtual tour websites that I offer is very detailed statistics and it'll show you which images were looked at for the longest amount of time. How many time? How many clicks through the images people Dude, have done? I love that you're doing this. You are like, I'm not gonna leave this shit to chance. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna measure all of it. And well, I, like I said, I don't think this is an accident either. So, you pay that close attention to it. Well, it's, it's these statistics are more uh, not just for my benefit, but they're also for the agent's benefit. And I'm hoping that it, it's encouraging for them to see what a what an impact this these photos have made on on their. You're proving value uh, too, right? That's right. That's right. Well, if you're doing your job right, otherwise you're disproving it. Right. right? If right. you suck, yeah. oh look, I sucked. You wasted your money. Right. <laughs> Nobody right. looked at these pictures. Right. Is it me or is it the house? <laughs> yeah. No, it's you. It's always you. I love that you're you're actually checking that out. And it seems like you have a pretty good idea of how short attention span the average uh, space ape has when it comes to clicking on the internet, right? Is it something like ninety percent of people starting their real estate search start online? Mm-hmm. I wonder how much time do you do you happen to have any idea how fast they click through? Because you got these websites. Because this is sobering stuff. I think a lot of people are like it's such a great deal, and they got eight pictures of the corner of the fucking room, right? And right. Like, Why well, won't it sell? It's such a good deal, right? Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any specific numbers. I'd have to. I'd have to dig through the stats and see if I can generate that. But I'm sure they're there. Yeah. Well, you're certainly you're certainly paying attention. I like that you're paying attention to that. Um, but you said the first couple photo, you just got to snag him right away. Otherwise, you yeah. lose him through the rest of them. I mean, it's almost always an exterior shot first, typically. Um, and, you know, that's I think it's pretty easy to get someone to look at an exterior and go, oh, this, you know, this is cool. Uh, it's another thing to get inside and, and see a picture of a uh 
you know, a black hole of a closet as the first interior photo or that happens so much. Oh yeah. Cat crapping in the corner, litter <laughs> yeah. box, agent in the mirror. What, what are the other yeah. facts? Let's segue here. What are some of the best? I love this too. Uh, Joe Delia posts a fair number of shitty MLS pictures too. And I just love this. So you've been at this so much longer. I just tell me about, let's just rip on these pictures. Cause I think this would be a great time. Even if somebody's listening, they don't give a shit about photography. They're going to love this. So oftentimes I am giving, given a lockbox code and a time that has been arranged for me to be there when either the owners won't be there, pets might be away or maybe it's a vacant house. But, um, the, one of the most memorable ones was, this home, uh, Sterling Heights. I don't know which agent I will. Uh, I'll just leave the agent. That's out good. It. But, yeah, leave it out. Um, I show up, lockbox code. I get in, and it looks like a freaking frat party had happened. <laughs> so not only that, there are like a five foot bong in the corner. <laughs> There's on the on the countertop to the kitchen is a uh some sort of a grinder mechanism there's oh, yeah. uh hookahs over there i mean it's it's you could tell that they either forgot all about the photography panties hanging from the fan and the yeah well so. yeah on the floor anyway i mean it was it's a disaster and you know you got a choice you know you either shoot it and show them, hey, this is what we got, or you call them and whine about it, right? So I shot it, but <laughs> so I got, but you know, I mean, I told them I was doing it, but um, that was that was probably one of the most memorable. I I did shoot. Uh, there was a management company that was looking to uh, sell some some investment properties in in Detroit, not too far from here, and um, in the, it was obvious that they had someone had recently cleaned up some sort of an operation going on there. Um, either knowing that it was going to be sold or they were previous tenants. Um, and you know, it, it was just obvious that it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best time to be at this house. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> being watched. Um, there's, I've, I've come across, um, I've come across some some dogs that that have been kind of left behind on some of those uh, management properties and things That's like that. That's what I fucking hate about working in Detroit sometimes. Yeah. It yeah. just breaks your heart. But um yeah, those are kind of the kind of the crazy ones. I'm I, I'm pretty fortunate. I think I I have some pretty pretty good clients. I have a lot of really good clients actually that that I think get great listings and have great clients themselves. So how many pictures do you take? I don't know if you have an average number of pictures per house. Sounds like you have it pretty much automated. How many do you take versus how many make the cut at the end? So I do shoot a bracketed uh, set of exposures. So you can say how many how many shots I take versus how many I deliver is going to be a dramatic ratio because for if I was to shoot this one shot of this room, I might shoot five to seven frames. And then I could combine them based on my flashes and based on the ambient light. So that's that's kind of uh, um, you can't really use that number because that is re- literally okay. one one frame. That's true. But um, I, I feel I, I I shoot pretty deliberately. And the cool thing is is I, I have this I have this thing where I use my iPad to actually control my camera. I can cool. see full screen what I'm getting. I feel like my I, I get the composition right 
usually at, at each shot, and uh, then it's just a matter of editing them to look good. If you know, if for some reason something is is a little haywire or something, but um, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I feel pretty good. I deliver almost everything that I shoot. I like um, I like the way you said you're very deliberate. Um, I, it's it's on average. Um, there's rarely a house that I deliver less than 20 images. That would be a very small house or something where I didn't have access to all the rooms. On the high side, some of these larger projects, um, like the the uh, Drummond Island project and things like that, we delivered hundred images or more. Yeah, um, that sort of thing. But average though is probably somewhere between thirty and forty. How long does it take you to do a shoot? Yeah, depends on the square footage. Um, I would say for the most part, I can get in and out of a shoot in an hour or less and then the editing, you know, an hour or less. How much preparation beforehand time wise and my bag's always packed. So (laughs) it's just a matter of charging batteries every night, um, charging the iPad every night, um, dumping my card. So I have a clean memory card and it's, it's pretty quick. Okay. I am. I keep coming back to this emotion thing because I, I think that's, I don't know, that just hit me the way you said it. You mm-hmm. know, you're trying to accurately describe the room through a picture, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to accurately describe. Oh, Jesus, I need to work on my, my words today. You're trying to accurately show and represent the room while creating emotion. Um, you gave a good example for like the living room, like focusing on the couch and mm-hmm. What about for for the kitchen or for the outside? Maybe just a few. I don't know if you have any tips or. I know some of this stuff is something you really got to just do again, again. But what you mean as far as what composition or creating that emotional attachment? Because I think you really nailed it when you said that. I feel like there's a lot of people who can take, and I I think I would put myself at an amateur level where I can take a decent picture of a room, Mm -hmm. but I don't think. I, I could create an emotional attachment through a picture, right? Uh, there's a big gap between t- and you really, cause you are right. It, attention span short. You're clicking fast. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts on the internet. 90% start looking at pictures. Mm-hmm. It really is a high stakes game. So if somebody can maybe start practicing, how do you create emotion in a picture uh, besides hiring you, which they should definitely do anyway, but maybe they're like at Christmas or something where they're trying to create an emotion. I just, I'm fascinated. You said that and I'm trying to tangibly via radio. If we can describe that that's in a way, a, I know it's so hard. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one to convey. I mean, it's uh do the best you can. I, I think it's, it, I really think it's a combination of composition, exposure, getting, you know, I, I love, like, I love seeing just a little bit of warm light wrap through a kitchen window, you know, and just sort of wrap around a wall, you know, like that to me, it's, it's, you're, you're creating shadow, you're creating a texture. Um, to me, I look at that and I'm just like, God, I just want to stand in front of that window, you know, like, um, how do you convey that in a, in a, description yeah. via radio sense. show too it's, yeah it's man it's, it's tough um <sighs> well how about this i'm maybe i don't know if you feel comfortable doing this i maybe i shouldn't say this but i don't know did you have a i know you have stylishdetroit.com or or maybe for the podcast we could if you had a link to a couple of pictures where maybe we could 
just because we can't accurately describe it now mm-hmm. doesn't mean I couldn't put a link in the show notes to a particular picture yeah, on sure. your website where, yeah, because I know it's such hard. We're trying to talk about photo. I knew this when I booked it it's, too. <laughs> I tried to do, I'm sorry. I tried to do the best I could. I knew, but you were talking earlier too. We kind of doing the same thing. I'm, I'm testing the limits of this medium yeah. right now, talking about it's, photographs on the radio. And what it, it's even harder to describe with something like real estate or interiors because you can shoot a, a photograph, a beautiful portrait of a person, and you can convey emotion very easily by combination of light and expression, right? You don't have that with a house. Uh, they don't, don't smile. House, house is not going to get angry at you. It's not going to talk <laughs> back to you. It's not going to feel nervous. It's So it's um, it's very hard. Um, I, it, I keep resorting back. I know I keep coming back to saying that it's exposure and, and light. But to me, those are the two key things that, uh, in, in composition, those are the three things that kind of really put, uh, an emotional connection into a still image of a space. And, um, I think, I mean, I can definitely put some put some links together for you and some some images. I think even some of the more recent stuff that have posted, even even on Instagram, um, uh, are some some really good images um, that kind of show this. But um, light uh, photography is basically the recording of light and shadow, and the recording of light and shadow. Okay, and and I think that light and shadow conveys color conveys texture uh it can show like softness or hardness it could show and and i think it's i really think it comes down to framing something and having that that light that that kind of pulls you in Mm. we will put examples and the show notes and audience i thank you for hanging in there. I know it's a difficult thing, uh, but I think, it, I think this is really important, especially if we are in the era of pictures. There's just no other way around it, perhaps video and pictures, but this is the era where I think 30 years ago it was the printed word. It is definitely the picture and attention spans are short. So I appreciate you hanging in there. And I know it's a difficult thing to talk about on the radio Pictures do sell. They absolutely do. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that the pictures are the tip of the spear and especially real estate. I think this would apply to a lot of things, but especially real estate. So I will definitely put those links in there um, for you to check out. What does your process look like from start to finish? Because I don't think a lot of people are, oh, I just... You know, I just take pictures to iPhone, you upload them, you know, it's, it's so simple. Why would I pay somebody to do this? You know, what does it look like from start to finish to deliver what you're delivering? And if I highly recommend that if you're listening to this right now, maybe you pull up Instagram, you look up at stylish Detroit and you kind of flip through while we're talking about these, because we are on the radio talking about pictures. I think this will be more powerful if you can see it while we're talking about it too. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you talking about from the booking process all the way through the delivery? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested in your, your processes, okay. too. I like that. You, hey, you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of these fucking artists pretending to be business people. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you're lazy living in your mom's basement. Yeah, you have to have a process. You're a yeah, business yeah. first. 
And and I hate how they mock people who have their shit together too and make money. So I want to destroy these people and bury them. And this is the best way to do it, <laughs> I think. It. Or convert them. There you go. You know? Yeah. So I have a pretty pretty sort of refined process at this point. Um, Love it. It all starts with the inquiry, the lead, if you will, uh, in sales speak. You know, it's either something that comes from referral. Often a lot of my business is referral business, um, though I do have a fair number of agents that like to keep me as kind of their secret weapon and and, and, and try to keep me kind of within their own confines. But um, I'm ruining that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah. Now, um, so I... Um, I get a lead either by email or uh, some kind. Sometimes phone calls, um, mostly emails, or through my form on my website. Um, I make it really easy. You can literally fill out the form on the website with your first shoot details, um, like what you're looking for, what the address is, what kind of square footage it is. Um, that triggers a text message that comes to me saying that it's there. I also use Slack Messenger. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I love Slack, yeah. So I have a Slack channel that's specifically for these leads to come into and fires me the Slack message. And that triggers me to answer it as quickly as I can. Now, I'm, I'm a one-man show, and I'm often shooting five, five homes a day. So um, sometimes that means taking breaks on the car rides uh, to answer, but I have a portal that I log into on my end, and it allows me to look at my schedule and say, well, I can do it at 2 p.m. on this day, or maybe they suggested a specific date. I can tell them yes or no that I'm able to do it. And from there... Hold um, on. What is the average response time from when the lead comes in to when you respond. I wish I had that metric actually. Um, I always, I, my goal is always within 24 hours, but um, I will say that rarely does it go into an overnight situation. It's usually, same day. Usually same day time. I'm responding. Yeah. I think that's incredibly important. I think absolutely in the this day of 2016 business, I like that you're hopping all over it and you're getting a text message or yep. you're trying to stay alert to how fast you have to operate. I, I, if I didn't have that, I, I don't think I'd be able to get to him as quick. So. I love it. So sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to emphasize that I, you want to be all over it. You know, I should say that I despise email. Email is oh, uh, you and me both. Uh, oh. I just can't stand email. Like I'm trying to reform myself, but I am failing miserably. It's it's hard because so many people live off of it, right? But you know, when I have to have a 12 message back and forth conversation with someone about. Um, about whether the lockbox code is going to be there, or whatever it's 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 tedious. So messenger texting to me is is where I where I live. And so anyway, pressing forward, uh, I schedule the shoot. Um, I get to the shoot and do my thing. Um, that night, after all my shoots are over, I immediately take the card out of my camera. I dump my card. Um, I promise a 24 to 48 hour turn on my images. However, uh, I've gotten it down to where rarely does it go outside of 24 hours. Um, and that's because you have a systematized process yep. and actually, so when you get to that, make sure I don't think most people are capable of doing it, but I, I want people to know what, what, what they could do if they wanted to, or they could just hire you to, they need to know what's possible and there, there are people doing it. So, yeah, I mean, um, I dump my card, I log into my system, I 
kick out an invoice. Yeah, the important parts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the invoice is automated, right? Invoice is automated. They've already ordered the shoot. They already know what the pricing is. It's all set there. I just make sure that everything jives and submit. Um, what do you use to process um, credit cards? <laughs> I am using FreshBooks right now. Okay. Um, for my invoicing, it has an API that talks to my uh, scheduling and booking system. Um, Dude, I love this. We are nerding out hardcore <laughs> right now. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, the two systems handshake with each other. Yeah. Um, I'm able to fire off the emails based on what they scheduled in my other system. Um, and then, depending on how they want to pay, it's either going to be PayPal, ouch, or uh, FreshBooks uh, credit card processing, which uh, they have their own processing now. So Yeah. That's awesome. It's 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 great. And, and I get paid quicker and uh images go out quicker and uh the whole thing's just it's it's like clockwork it's great uh so then i i back to the editing side like i dump my card i have a software that i use to ingest the images into my catalog uh, it's, they call it ingesting i like that um because then i can throw multiple cards in and it'll put them all in into the directories um i then go through and sort them by the address uh, because they are usually uh, on one card for the day or two cards for the day, depending on the day. And then um, I have this batch editing process that I go through. Um, it's kind of hard to explain what it does, but um, I've kind of worked with a couple different systems that kind of put it together in one using a combination of what's called Photoshop droplets, which are uh, little automator actions that run something into Photoshop, does an action to it, brings it back into Lightroom, which is where I do all my cataloging and fine editing. Um, and it, it goes from there. I, I can literally walk away while it does its thing, and I come back and I put my little special sauce on them, if you will, and uh, deliver them that night. I love it. Now, you also, uh, I don't know, maybe I got this wrong. You have a special website for it or something like that? or So, um the web portal that all my clients get access to as well as myself on the admin side uh, allows me to, this is where the scheduled shoots come in from the website. Um, they also have their own login that they can see all of their past photographs. Um, if they want to add a virtual tour to one that they've done in the past, they click a button. It sends me a thing saying, Hey, I want to add a virtual tour and then I release it. Um, so many different things. But the, the coolest thing to me is that, I can upload my images to this portal in one size. So if it's 123 Main Street, I take the images from 123 Main Street, I upload them in the full-size JPEG images, process exactly beautifully how I want them, and then they are then able to log in. They get notification. They are able to log in and select if they want MLS resolution images, if they want full-size print images, and then they can batch download them or they can go through them one by one and download only the images they need. So it's really handy for them. That's awesome. dude. And it's super easy for me. Yeah. Well, customer service, right? Right. Makes it easy for them and makes it easy for you. That's a great idea. Yeah. We're not getting too nerdy, are we? Uh, we definitely are. And that's okay. okay. I'm having a great time. Sure. We are nerding <laughs> the fuck out and we've probably lost most of the people, but <laughs> the people who are paying attention, I think are, are, are gonna, are gonna appreciate it. I, Pictures are the tip of the spear, folks. I don't know how many times I can say this. I've been harping for years, and I'm nowhere near you, and I should tell you how low everybody else is. So it's a pretty it's a pretty sad thing. Um, what do you do in, in 
in general in post-production? Because you said in the beginning, I like your attitude towards it. You're very deliberate in how you take the pictures. But at the same time, this technology is amazing, right? There there are things you can do and fix. And, and I, I suspect you probably don't like being too heavy-handed in the Photoshop. I don't, I don't like to be, and, and I don't really need to be. Um, it's really uh, like a contrast bump, um, slight adjustments to exposure, you know, if, if the uh, whites look a little out of whack or something, a little color correction here. And color correction is probably the more, more common thing done. Um, and then, you know, even with the best of high-end lenses, there's still a little bit of distortion. So um, I always do a little bit of distortion correction. And then occasionally... Uh, for whatever reason, I'll have to straighten the verticals just slightly, but, uh, cause I think, you know, like I said, that's one of those things I'm super, super anal about, but, um, that's it. It's, it's pretty, once the, pro- that sort of base processing is done where I combine my flash exposures with the ambient exposures, um, it's, uh, it's just a little bit of tweaks. So you're actually combining multiple pictures yes. into one picture. Let's talk about that. In more detail, it's not something I didn't even I didn't even know you can do that. Yeah, so you know, there's a couple different ways to approach something like this. You could go in with twelve lights, and you could you know expose so that the lighting through the windows looks good, and then just light the crap out of everything. You know, lights in every corner. It's just not feasible to do that for a real estate shoot. Lights are expensive. Too, lights are lights are expensive. Really and expensive. You're talking you know, 40 minutes of setup for one shot. I was going to say you'd spend an hour just hauling the lights in, right? So yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, so what I do and kind of the system, it, it's a lot of people will mistake it for an HDR process, which, um, high dynamic range photos. Um, it's hard to explain, but an HDR, like even iPhones do built in HDRs now. And what it does is it basically takes your darkest exposures, exposing so that your highlights are visible uh, with detail and then taking a base exposure where everything's kind of medium, taking then a shadow exposure, which is on the brighter side so that you can get any details that are in the shadow. And then it mashes them together to give you a high dynamic range photo. So the darkest of the darks, the lightest of the lights details in between oftentimes people fail at that and you'll see like horribly cartoony looking colors or (laughs) uh, a very painterly looking effect to the images. And honestly, you see a lot of that in real estate photography and it's, it's just not, uh, we we can do a lot better than that people. I mean, it's just not great. Um, So what my process is a little different, it's um, sort of a hand blending technique where I take my bracketed exposures without flash so I'll take darks, mediums, lights um, in any uh, quantity that I need. Then I will take an exposure or two or three, depending on the situation, with flashes popped, reflecting light in different areas. And then I, um, one process I do um, infuses all of the three ambient exposures or four or whatever ambient exposures. Then I take my flash layers and I blend them. Um, and it really gives a best of both worlds. You get a nice inviting look of the natural light coming through the windows and with the lamps and things, but you also get the details and that sharp pop on the, on the whites and the, the, you know, the upholstery and things like that, that you just gets out of whack with, with, uh, HDR photography. So 
That's interesting. How did you, I mean, it's probably something common. I don't know. How'd you figure out how to, to do that? Or it's just experimentation or yeah. definitely experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just it's thousands like, and thousands of pictures yeah. and just playing around yeah. with Photoshop. I'm like, wait, I like that. That looks great. So when I first started shooting with that uh, service, that virtual tour reseller that I was working with, um, they specifically wanted HDRs. And I would just shoot bracketed exposures and I would send it to them and they would do their mashing process and it would just look like garbage. Like I didn't even process the images then. They just, oh, wow. they just did it all. Well, they weren't paying much either. So, right. No, like, yeah. No, yeah. No. So, um, it kind of grew from there. You know, I started saying, well, I'm going to process it myself. And, and then I started adding lights. And there's some really great educators out there uh, in the world of, of real estate photography uh, and architectural photography that, um, I, I saw some of their online classes and uh, really learned how to how to kind of take advantage of that, but yet keep it a quick process so that I wasn't uh, wasting all my time in a thousand square foot bungalow. You know, I like that you. Okay, so what ideas have not survived the the process? Because I, I like how you, you you're automating things you to you to keep your customer response fast to keep keep your delivery so your costs low like keep mm-hmm. your quality high mm-hmm. some things obviously just can't make the cut at the affordable price that a lot of these agents you know get so I'm, I'm curious in your process when you're when you're going through and you're refining your process which i'm sure you're still working on sure what didn't Always. make the cut what did you say that's got to go it doesn't deliver it's not worth it can't do it in the right time doesn't turn out right um the waste essentially of the uh you know, like we don't, we don't need that. So we can just cut that away. That's a tough one too. I mean, I, I've, I think a lot of the things that I've tried, I've kind of carried through or, or honed to the point where they work. Uh, there's definitely some, I think there's some real gimmicky stuff out there in the world of real estate photography or just photography in general. I mean, you know, think about like we were talking about virtual tours before, yeah. um, you know, what does virtual tour mean anymore? I mean, to me, like it used to be like you would click and then you do the dizzy thing where like it was 360 and you click it. and it takes you through and then you're like, what just happened? I'm in another room and, you know, and it's dizzying and, and, and then, then the terrible choice of music that plays oh, yeah, too. Right, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so much better. Now you're playing your favorite song yeah. that everybody else fucking hates. That's, <laughs> that's right. So, I mean, now virtual tours have literally evolved into being, um, at least in my eyes have into being a sort of a, one-stop website for the listing where it could be something that you embed in a website or, or connect to the MLS. But at the same time, you can go to just that page and you can see all the photos, you can see some details and data about the listing. And those are things that I still do. Um, definitely the panoramas, like I don't do those anymore. Um, I think that that's something that just didn't hold up. There are a lot of people out there in markets that are very successful doing panoramics. I don't, I don't like doing them. Um, yeah, some of this is personal preference so, too. So just deal with definitely. it. Okay. If you fucking love panoramas, keep panoramming away. Okay. That, that's right. Yeah. It's personal preference right here. Um, there's a new technology out there, um, using a 3d camera, uh, that allows for 3d floor plans of, of the homes where you literally look at a little dollhouse of the home um, you click through it and it literally walks you through as in 3D on really? a browser or even now the uh, virtual reality goggles. Well, that's pretty amazing. It's badass, but hard five, to do from your iPad. It, well, it's a it's a six thousand dollar camera. 
And um, I had access to one for a while, and I actually did a special project for a client um, with one in Atlanta last year. And it was really awesome. But to to do it, it's just too cost prohibitive. Like I can't, couldn't see doing it for less than three to five hundred dollars just to get in the door. I could see it maybe on a luxury property, multi million dollar listing, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but it's something that I, I questioned really hard whether I wanted to actually get the camera for myself and uh, keep doing it. I I polled all my clients, and I don't think anybody's interested in it. It's just too 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 expensive. Mm. Yeah, I bet at a certain price point though. Like if you were listing million dollar New York apartments and condos, and that could be really interesting right there too, right? Because well, you talk about the people <laughs> who, you know, what's what's a couple thousand dollars on a ten million dollar listing, right? You say that, but I, I can tell you a quick story. Okay, um, I was approached. This was two years in doing real estate. I was approached by a luxury real estate um no, let's, i don't want to name their name yeah let's, don't, let's, don't name let's, names. let's just let's call them featherbees and uh, <laughs> um okay and um they had a 5.2 million this agent had a 5.2 million dollar listing i was ecstatic i was like i i'm gonna do whatever it takes I said, what's it going to take to get me in the door? You know, um, I wanted to do whatever I could to get that listing because I knew that it was going to be the, probably the most, at the time, the most expensive listing I ever did. And so I gave, I gave a pretty low ball quote and I said, try me out. Let me do 15 photos in there for this price. And I waited a day, didn't hear anything. Waited another day, didn't hear anything. I got, they got back to me. And they said they could find they found somebody that can do it for seventy five dollars, and they were going to go with the cheaper price. Are you fucking kidding me? And, and that's that is how that you is know what the, you get what you did pay for. And and, and yeah, <laughs> we'll say no more. But <laughs> I'll, I will say that that is the sort of I don't want to say mentality because that's a little harsh. But that that's the thing that we need to kind of get away from this sort of. Uh, you do get what you pay for. Who's going to do that for seventy five dollars? I wonder if they were lying. I don't know. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to do it for seventy five. No, you're not going to get no. me in the car for seventy five dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know, all this shit costs money, baby. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, all costs lots anyway, of money. That's that's my funny story about expensive properties. But all right, now I'm going to want to nerd out on on the business side. So when you and Lynn got started doing, you kind of got your break breaking into wedding, right? Like we're going to do some wedding photos, but then you said you got a lot of referrals too. And you sound like a very deliberate person. I don't, that's how you ended up where you're at. Sounds mm-hmm. like you, you set goals too. Um, how, how did you, what did your growth look like and what, what worked, what didn't, what marketing did you do that worked and what didn't, um, to get you to where you are today? It's funny. Um, you say that and, and I'll be honest, I've done very little marketing up to this point. Um, I have, I don't know if it's just organic, uh, traffic from web leads to, um, social medias. I, I feel pretty good that the, both of the businesses, um, the wedding side and the, uh, real estate side, we worked heavily on social media, um, to kind of get stuff out there, get, you know, even if it's just getting people looking at nice pictures, hashtagging the crap out of them on Instagram or whatever. Um, 
I've gotten a lot of my traffic from that. And, um, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really do any conventional marketing. I haven't really spent much, uh, in the way of social media is marketing. Yeah. So what were the techniques or what were the hashtags and how'd you break in the Instagram things? That's very interesting to me. I have just started to dive into Mm -hmm. Instagram other than just dog pictures, vegetable pictures, you know? Well, most, I guess the stylish Detroit Instagram account is actually not that old. Uh, I only got really heavily using it last year, but, um, you know, particularly with, with our wedding business, um, we we would get other vendors to find us just by hashtagging locations, um, ta- anywhere that you can possibly tag where you are, I think helps because usually location aware searches help help with that sort of thing. Um, it's like virtual networking kind of kinda, too, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like checking in, like saying, Hey, I'm here. Hey, now, good to see you, Andy. And you're yeah. doing it online. Okay. Now there are some clients out there that, so like my more aggressive clients, uh, the ones that I probably work with the most and I'm kind of like their guy. Those are the guys that are also kind of promote me a little bit by, by tagging me wherever they're at. And, um, you know, those are the agents that put so much value in having the good photography and having a good social media presence themselves that um, it makes a lot of difference for me because they're very eager to say, well, this is Stylish Detroit is who who got this for me. So, you know, they'll tag me and, and um, yeah, that, that's been really helpful, I would say. Just being friends with people online who are my clients and having them uh, sort of promote as well. Um, that's how I met, you know, Todd Waller to, to Joe Delia to, you know, uh, all these guys. Um, so many people. Um, and, uh, it's really worked well. I, 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 yeah, I haven't done a lick of advertising, man. I mean, as far as conventional paid advertising. Yeah. But that, I think that's on, on its way out to, to certain, to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, so you mentioned you get a lot of referrals too. Did you do anything? Obviously, excellent is is a good referral right off the bat, right? But you do you ask referrals? Did you? I don't know. What, did you do reviews? I, I mean, get a lot of reviews. Okay. Um, I have a lot of reviews on my Facebook page. Um, there's also a review engine built into FreshBooks, and I get a lot of reviews. Uh, pretty much every six months, like when an invoice goes out to a client and they say, Hey, do you want to review me as well? And, and that helps. Um, so you do ask it's automated it's, that you ask it's automated, but it is, See? it is a question. So I got to pull it out of you. You're like yeah. all humble here. <laughs> like you're very deliberately doing things. Yeah. You're just doing no, there's, it in, there's nothing wrong with in a cost effective organic way. Yeah. Right? right. Um, then, you know, for a while there, um, I tried, there's a, there's a website called thumbtack. Um, and it's kind of like a way to find trades. Like, so you need a plumber, you go onto Thumbtack and you say, I need a plumber in area code 48221 or whatever. Um, and then it all of a sudden photographer plumbers in this case would, would sort of bid on, on the, you get a maximum of five bids per job. Um, so I tried that for a while as a photographer and basically I, I, took these jobs. Um, they weren't the greatest. Some of them were really cool. I got some really cool repeat business out of it now. But, um, the cool thing is, is it's very search engine optimized. And then I get, uh, reviews on that site as well. So whether they find me by 
putting a job out there specifically or just looking at the available trades that are in the area. Uh, I get a lot of uh, sort of referral work off of that as well. So that's that's kind of cool because I can tie those reviews into my Facebook page and things like that. I just got a picture of like a whiteboard on the wall in, in Andy's house or basement or wherever your office is where – you have like different social media and you tie it together. Do you have a, did you create a sales funnel for this or you, you obviously have right, some sort of process cause you're it, asking for reviews. I think the, the, the background process is there. I, I, the sort of uh, upfront process I think is the one part that I'm working on this year. Mm-hmm. I, I've not really had, again, this is something that kind of happened very, uh, organically and kind of grew and, and I, 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 I definitely time to now set a, a more solid course well in the way of business planning, uh, marketing planning, things like that to get, to get further. Sounds like you kind of already did a lot of that, but that's all right. You're a very humble man. Um, you were mentioning goals before we even started the interview. I was like 277 houses. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a lot of damn houses. And you're like, yeah, my goal was 300. I'm like, bam, I like that you have a goal. Yeah. Um, how do you, how did you set business goals? Have you always set business goals? I mean, how do you set it? How do you track it? How do you manage it? Um, have you managed your growth? I'm, I'm curious about these things always. I'm always looking for that's, the one thing funny. I could do better. It's funny because I, I you know, I, I'll be honest. I, I, I looked at what I could handle versus what I did the year prior, and and I kind of just set a figure. Um, I don't really look at it as much of a financial achievement for the business as much as this is what I want to achieve, and and uh, that number for last year was was based on the year prior. Um, I came in under 200 homes and that was with also having a full-time job, um, being a system administrator and an IT guy. And, um, so I, I kind of just looked forward. I, I wanted a little bit of a conservative goal for, for going on my own. And, um, that's kind of where we were. Um, I don't really have a process for, for, it's, it's, I didn't pull it out of my ass either. But, um, <laughs> 300, it's 300. Yeah. I'm going to do it. But I, you know, I, I got, I, I got to a point last year where I looked at where I was, I think it was July or August. I looked at where I was and I was like, holy shit, like this is, this is working this year, you know? And so, um, you know, I think that last year was the first year that I really started looking at the, at the process and really started realizing that that this is more than than just kind of a side hobby you're like man i i I made a business yeah yeah i did something (laughs) um so yeah it's um of course it has taken nine years i think a lot of people think when they go to start it just happened i'll be rich it'll be but it has taken nine years literally yeah lots of hard work lots of sweat equity um, what were some of the worst mistakes you made where you're like, man, that just, that shit just did not work out. I was going this and with that, I'm turning around completely. I'm always interested because if somebody can hear about some of the mistakes, maybe they can shave some time off. It can save them. It can help them out. Plus I just think, uh, 
Mistakes yeah. and failure are, are interesting. I think it's our, our flaws. Are, I think are more our flaws and our mistakes are more interesting than our successes. Sometimes I think early mistakes uh, for me was putting way too much into equipment. Mm. Um, this is more of a financial mistake, hey. but um, it's a mistake. Uh, putting way too much into equipment, feeling like I needed to have. Like I, I can't do this with that lens. I got to have the best, you know. I'm going to do that, and then re- literally like taking the dive, and and that was, I, particularly in photography. I know there's a lot of other uh, sort of hobbies and, and endeavors that have a lot of uh, equipment overhead, but man, don't go in debt to do this. It's make the best with the tools you have, and. Um, Make them work. I mean, yeah, you need a wide-angle lens. I mean, it doesn't mean you can go and have your your kit lens that your your fifty-five to two hundred millimeter Nikon lens and, and and take real estate. But I love you made it number one too. Wide angle lens yeah. is number one. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, you know there are some minimums that you have to have. But putting so much into gear and and feeling like I couldn't do it without. Um, I think that really kind of hurt things on a financial side. Um, not to say that I went into serious debt over it. I don't, I don't have credit and uh, to, for the business, I don't, I don't, uh, take out loans to buy my gear or anything, but, um, it's, uh, definitely something I, I, I can't recommend that more to people. Like just don't go into debt to do this. Um, there's plenty of ways to, to make do. And get really good at your craft without having that ten thousand dollar camera and the, and the seven thousand dollar lens to go with it. You know? Yeah, you can spend a lot of money. Yeah. This is a, it's it's like hunting or the, the, some hobbies and that become jobs. You mm-hmm. can really spend a significant amount of money, and and it could take you a long time to pay off that capital yeah. investment, right? Absolutely. I would say on another serious side, uh, learning to. <sighs> Learning to keep, you know, again, this was something that was kind of a side project at first. Um, and one of the mistakes I made was not keeping on top of client relationships in the beginning. Mm. I think there were some times when I wish that my communications were more prompt or um, I think there were some missed opportunities there. And I think that's, you got to have a system and you got to have that sort of client relation in order to make this work that is sound advice i've done that too by the way you're not alone where that's the problem with not having systems especially for leads and i would recommend before anybody pays any money to generate leads you brought up an excellent point make sure you have some sort of idea on how you're going to be notified and how you're going to respond because i feel that way too i feel like there was it's embarrassing but there's like a good four or five years in the beginning where I let all sorts of opportunities yeah. slip through the cracks because I had such a piss poor way of handling my leads coming in yeah. and I didn't have good CRM and I would forget. And you know, I'm a dumbass space ape and things slip through the crack when you're a dumbass space yeah. ape. That's, that's refreshingly honest too. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you, you shared that because I think that's common. I think a lot of people do that. They get started and they don't give much thought to the customer is kind of where it starts. Like yeah. The lead is where it starts. Absolutely. I was a, uh, Salesforce CRM uh, administrator and developer for a period of time. And I think working with those systems and seeing what they were capable of and developing a processes for uh, 
another company really helped me see uh, the value in that stuff. And I'm not saying you have to go spend 40 grand a year on a Salesforce. No, no. There's but, lots of options out there. But have, even having a way to just organize your email, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. And I'm a firm believer in, in, in those productivity processes. So, Speaking of which, what software and apps and stuff do you use to keep yourself and your business on track? Calendars. I know you mentioned Slack. You mentioned several of them. Um I'm always intensely yeah, interested in this. Sure. I'm wondering if I could some way I could plug it into myself. Oh, I or, love that stuff. You yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this stuff. Um, yeah. Slack to me is turning into something really valuable. I wish I could get clients to use, start using Slack. I think it's just not quite, I think it might be too nerdy. Um, For sure. But um, leading edge shit right yeah, now. Right. Yeah. Another three years, maybe everybody's using it. Yeah. But right now, it's the edge of the edge. To me, it's, it's uh, so Slack. And then there's an automator called uh, Zapier or Zapier.com, Z-A-P-I-E-R. I have a lot of uh, little automation tricks that – so what this Zapier does is it takes APIs from different services like Slack and, say, FreshBooks or something like that and allows them to kind of mash and talk to each other. So there's a – it's a great automation tool for processes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Mac guy. Um, I – pretty happy with with most of the out of the box mac function software um like i said i use fresh books for for my invoicing and basic bookkeeping um i have uh, the web portal thing is something that i have on, on my own i don't really have a there's no like license to it or anything like that you got um, an it background that helps a lot <laughs> and um yeah i mean um I can't really think of it. Of course, you know, editing side, we got Photoshop, we got Lightroom, a um, couple other, couple other little plugins for that. But um, I couldn't. It's pretty, pretty basic stuff. I mean, it's really honing and using what you have, making them work. Uh, there's nothing really too out of the ordinary there. No, it's interesting how you put that together, and as best you can describe what Slack is for those listening. Not everybody <laughs> is aware what Slack so, is. So. Slack is a group communication tool. Um, think of it as AOL instant messenger for the modern age. I mean, yes, it's instant messaging. Uh, you can communicate with people. You can have people sort of join your Slack organization um, that you want to communicate frequently. You can also join multiple Slack organizations all within this app that's on your Mac, your laptop, your iPads, uh, or on the web. Um, and it's just a really neat web interface for doing these quick communications. The beauty of it is um, some of these automations that you can do from other other, I guess they call them integrations that you can do with other systems and other softwares, but also sending files, sending photos, um, you literally can drag them in and it instantly will send it to the uh, conversation. Um, if you find enough people that use it, it's, it's great because it's, it's so much better than using texting on your phone or, um, email for that oh god if i could replace email with slack oh god yeah that would be incredible it's I, so much more immediate but yet it's not obtrusive necessarily you know well i think also too email is just the attention is gone it is literally like a place that everybody you know in your face everybody all the time you're picking out one email out of a hundred to pay attention to yeah 
Whereas Slack, if you're using, I mean, it's just immediate. You know, it's actionable. Yeah, it's not somebody trying to, you know, oh yeah, I did sign up for that newsletter 18 years ago. Right. You know, and I don't need to pay attention to that now. And I got six more fucking houses to shoot. That's right. You know, so. And I love how you said because I hate this 18 email string back and forth. Oh, I can. Yeah, I know it's unavoidable sometimes, but it's far less likely to happen. That's in Something right. like Slack too. I love that you use it. I. I can't hardly get anybody to use it in my industry. So I just have to suffer the consequences. It's email push, email push, yeah. email push most of the time. I'm dreaming of a day when I <laughs> I don't have to do that right. shit anymore. Right. <laughs> and it could be over. Email's evil. It is. So you've been fortunate enough to, and I don't think this is an, an accident, um, been featured in Curb Detroit, Crane's Business, the Detroit Free Press, Forbes.com, Entrepreneur.com. Um, how, how did you, I mean, did you just get lucky or how did you, how did you get into that? I mean, well, that's a fair amount of exposure. And yeah, I mean, Curbed um, happens rather uh, organically. I mean, Curbed, uh, I have uh, one agent in particular who, handles a lot of downtown development, handles um, some of the loft developments, and handles a lot of, um, well, just a variety of homes, like around like Sherwood Forest is hot right now, um, Palmer Woods, um, all over Detroit. I think I know who you're talking about, but I won't say. Yeah. 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 And um, that Curb picked picked up on all, all of his listings when he puts them up and um i i'd like to think it's because the photography is good too you know and um it's great for me they, they always give me photo credit and um puts me out there you know um so this last year lynn and i were lucky enough to do two very specific shoots for luxury uh, uh luxury uh real estate projects one of which was a 20,000 square foot hunting lodge, private hunting lodge up northern Michigan. <laughs> was that a fucking hunting lodge? Uh, I love it. it At 20,000 square This is a small hunting lodge. Yeah, it was for me and yeah. the guys. You know? it's, I mean, the idea, I think, was uh, that corporate uh, corporations could bring uh, their staff up there or clients up there. for a, It's a private hunt area actually they it's 800 acres that are kind of surrounded by fence and three lakes and elk i so many elk and deer herd up there Um, that is awesome and it was a really incredible experience and then we also did a uh we did all the photography for the drummond island uh resort that had to be which was a big Big noteworthy sale this year. I was in featured everywhere. Cranes, uh, Detroit News. Um, spent a weekend up there. Um, Be honest. When you got that one, did you literally jump up and down for like an hour? Uh, yeah. And jump on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, jump on I, the bed. You know, I mean, I'm not from Michigan originally, and honestly, I'd never been to the UP. So it's it was. It there, was. It? it was amazing. It yeah. was so amazing. It was such a great experience. We got to stay on the on the resort, and. Um, that was probably one of the more well publicized uh, shoots that I've done, um, and uh, I'd love to do more of that stuff. Um, so we're we're I'm I'm focusing a lot of my efforts on trying to get more of that. And can you make sure to send me the link to that too, and I'll put that in Absolutely. the show notes so people can check this out because it is awesome. Absolutely, it is badass. It, this would be like the dream hunting lodge too. And I'm, I am not kidding. It, it's crazy. You, you just have to go look at it. it. 
It is absolutely amazing. I can only imagine what life like that is like. The, the entire place was custom. And in fact, the, the um, caretaker of the land lived in one of the houses on the property. And so, and he was, not only was he the caretaker, he was the one who was responsible um, for a lot of the design elements in the home. So, you know, the way that, um, the lamps were made of antlers or, um, you know, there's some story, uh, there's some storytelling chandeliers that have little cutouts of these particular elk that were in, on the land and things. I mean, it's just every little thing of the, every little corner of this property was, it was just incredible. So it was easily one of the, one of the more incredible, uh, things I've done. And just absolutely stunning too. It's oh, just amazing. You look it hurts to look at so fucking beautiful sometimes. <laughs> that's what I like to say. Like, wow, is, is that even possible? Yeah, that's right. I don't even want to know what that costs. I'd like to I'd like to have that kind of money someday. It did sell before auction, so they said I don't I'm sure it wasn't uh, <laughs> it sold if it sold before auction, that yeah. number was big. Yeah. That was hey, if I had the money and I didn't need it. Fuck those starving kids. I'm getting a 20,000 square foot uh, hunting lodge That's for right. elk. It, it was absolutely, absolutely stunning. You should go check it out. I will put it in the show notes. What are your goals for this year? You know, I was going to ask. Yeah. Listen to a few podcasts, you know. Um, honestly, I my goals this year are not so much about number of homes. Um, I feel like. I know that I'm going to do more homes this year. I, I feel pretty good about that. Um, what I want to focus on this year is I'm getting to a point where I would really like to have a second shooter. Mm. And in order to do that, I have to make some adjustments and it's a real struggle. Uh, it's going to be a challenge this year. Um, I have to keep myself in a realm of affordability for, for my real estate clients at the same time. I need to be able to bring on somebody. Um, and I think that'll increase my volume. It'll increase happiness everywhere, I think. And uh, so that's that's kind of where what I'd like to get to at some point in time this year. I'd like to have another shooter. And then I'd like to kind of put some of my focus on some more commercial properties. Um, and then I kind of had this vision of being a full-on marketing partner for some of these either designers or uh, interior designers rather, or um, architects basically where I can in include photography, prepare some things for their social media campaigns, like just at it. And then also do sort of corporate headshots for them, maybe shoot um, some of their organization itself. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I want to try for this year. So it's it's a little bit different path, um, but I don't want to alter my current flow too much. So growth is difficult. It's hard to go from you to two. Yeah, especially while keeping your. I like how you're trying to keep your prices affordable while yeah. you're still making the money you want. And yeah, that's a challenge. Would you mind if I had you back on at some point in time to see how that went? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe in six months, you'd yeah. be interested to see how you because that's a difficult thing. Not everybody does that successfully, and. I think you probably will, but even if you don't, you probably will learn something too. Yeah. It's it's an interesting thing, man. So let me go back here. Sorry, my it stopped here. What blogs, books, maybe artists, right? Um, 
I don't think success happens in a vacuum, right? There's a lot of influences, a lot of things. What has influenced you to, to, that you think would be helpful for others to maybe go read, watch, check out where, where do you think would be beneficial for them to go, you know, to go check out? Well, I'm a very technical guy when it comes to photography. Um, I don't, and you know, I, I don't read that much. I read, <laughs> it's a bad thing. It's a bad trait. I, I, I want to be more of a reader and I need to be more of a reader. That is kind of a personal goal of mine. But, um, I do believe that there's some incredible online education for photography out there. Um, keeping the business stuff aside, the technical side of photography itself, there's a website called Creative Live, uh, that was started, uh, by a really good commercial photographer, media, media guy, a media photographer named Chase Jarvis, um, that has free education online and it's free while it's live. And then when it's uh, over, you can pay a nominal fee to actually get the course. And there's been some incredible photographers on there and, and business. They have uh, great business classes as well. Um, but I picked up, uh, some really good photography uh, learning from there over the last three to four years. Um, there's also uh, one of my favorite photographers for interiors uh, and architectural in general is this photographer called Mike Kelly out of, uh, I think, L.A. area, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he has a course online. It's, 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 a, it's a hefty course. I mean, it's like 11 hours of learning. But oh, wow. He goes into everything, lighting, composition, um, advanced, advanced photo editing techniques to do some real, and he does high end, high end stuff. And, uh, just picking up tutorials like that were a great learning experience for me. Um, and I still refer to them. I mean, I, I'll rewatch them and, um, as far as the technical side of photography, that's that. Um, I do, have a lot of photographers that I follow. The one thing about photography, and I don't, maybe I'm a little more like in, in the photographer bubble. Um, but photography community in general is very well, like everybody follows each other. Everybody views each other's work. Everybody, um, kind of chats with each other. And I think that's one thing that's really great about the photography industry. And, um, so there's a lot of photographers that I follow online um, um, what else? Gosh. Um, so I listened to some productivity podcasts. All right. I love, uh, there you go. So there's, uh, there's a podcast, uh, called back to work, which is, uh, with Merlin man. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Merlin. I have man, not heard of that one. No, he had, uh, he's kind of a writer. He's had a lot of online presence over the years, uh, but dealing a lot with productivity and so this is kind of like an anti-productivity productivity podcast or not anti, but it's as much they talk about productivity, they also veer off course on this podcast. But there's some really, really good, smart things to learn from their words uh, with, in this conversations. And they've, they've done like 250 episodes now. Back to work. Back to work. Right, I'll put this in the show notes, yep. folks, too. Back to I'm going to go look this one up. I like, um, I like the name of it right from the name. Back to work. I fucking love work. There's... 
Oh boy, gosh. I'm a podcast guy. I, I listen love to a podcasts, lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, even, you know, fiction podcasts and things like that. But um, share them all, man. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Whatever um, you what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I, I like, love this stuff. This- I like um some of the crime podcasts. You know, when serial was was really big, I was also uh, listening to Criminal. That's another good one. Little short stories about true crime. Um, I'm a, I'm a musician in my past, and and I love music. There's a podcast called uh, Song Exploder, and basically um, the host meets up with a musician. Let's say I know one episode, for example, was U2, and they wow, uh, that's a big they, that's a big episode. Big, yeah. They they tear apart a song. They take one song and they tear it apart. How did this idea come to be? How did it build up into this song? And they tell this whole story and then they play the song. And um, that's an excellent format. It's it's really a cool podcast. If you love and, and the thing is, is it's not always music that I find day to day agreeable, but hearing their creative process behind it, you know, maybe it started with some tin can drum beat or something and then it built into this crazy song you know it's amazing it's just amazing to hear um boy what else um i'm a tech nerd so i listen to there's a podcast called accidental tech podcast atp uh with some kind of luminaries in the uh <laughs> accidental tech pod i yeah. love it some it's, of these names are great i wish i could think of uh, these names like man just to be able to think of the name would be yeah. awesome yeah, that's the tough part, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so they're, they're uh, kind of luminaries in the sort of Apple Mac world, if you will. Um, it's not always Mac-centric, but uh, that's where they come from, and they, they just talk Apple. They talk tech. Uh, sometimes they get over my head. They talk about some coding things that are a little too far out for me, but um, it's really cool. Um, man, so many. Um there's a film photography podcast. It's just called the Film Photography Podcast. It's pretty interesting. They talk about bringing the old dusty cameras out of the out of the box and uh, throwing some old expired film in there and and seeing what you can get out of it. Uh, that's a fun one. I can't even remember what it was like to shoot with film. It was so long ago. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh yeah, I remember that. I had a camera. And it was like ee, ee, yep. a little little thing you slide over yep. to advance the film. And you had the little thing on top, and you got four it's a cube i got four yep. flashes and yep. yeah the original it's fun stuff i actually took more pictures with disposable cameras than i did with anything else oh yeah well yeah i don't, don't at least know. you're taking pictures you know? didn't know how that happened it was I'm, I'm i'm actually pretty glad some of those fucking pictures have disappeared too if i'm being <laughs> entirely honest <laughs> let's just say that my late teens and early 20s it was um <clears throat> rough and interesting <laughs> And even if I was inclined to, I could never run for political office because <laughs> those pictures would show up in 10 the minutes. Evidence. Yeah. The evidence. I'm actually pretty happy that I did all my really dumb shit before cell phone video and cameras. <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like to be a dumbass teenager now I'm, uh, in the world of video and picture forever on YouTube and Snapchat. And I'm with you, man. I am totally with you. It would have been a terrible thing for that to meet. It's one thing to hear it. And then you tell your prospective partner, yeah, I did this dumb shit. And then they have to see it in video is an entirely different thing. So <laughs> I'm fortunate in that respect. The darker side. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but there's a dark side in everything. Uh-oh. Photo thieves. Photo thieves. Fucking photo I, thieves. I have, I have a strong opinion on photo thieves. Yes. 
Let's just talk about it. It happens, right? What yeah. do you do to try and prevent it? What do you do when it happens? How do you handle it? And um, maybe, I don't know, maybe your favorite photo thief story. Well, And at this point, if you want to shame the fuck out of somebody, I am entirely okay with mm-hmm. it. If you don't uh, want to, I understand too. We'll see. Yeah, um, We'll see where this goes. I um, So with real estate photography, photo thievery is a little bit different. Um, in the wedding side of things, or e- even in, you know, commercial and portrait side of things, it's not, I don't want to say it's common, but it's, it, it happens where somebody will steal an image. Maybe they're just starting out. Maybe they want to build an instant portfolio That's uh, with think, other people's yeah. work. Um, and the cool thing is, is there are some measures these days to kind of search those things out, um, and, and try to find them. Uh, the best, the on, on the good side, you send them an email and you say, "Please look what you've done. I can prove that this is my image. Take it down." And they comply. The on the downside, you send them a cease and desist, and you get their Facebook profiles taken down. And which happens, it it actually happens more times than you'd want to believe. On the real estate side, it's a little different because. And this is this is a big debate right now because MLSs are pushing agents and brokerages to have the copyright of the images handed over to them. Meaning I sign a piece of paper to my agent saying, I give you full rights to this image, basically eliminating my ability to use it again. If I want to earn money off of it again, this is a real serious shit. Um, Yeah. Fuck that shit. It's, this is something that um, I won't name any specific big MLSs in the area, but there's something that they are really pushing for right now. And back up a little bit, what would happen is I would post an image. I would post my, or an agent would post my images. House would sell. A buyer's agent, and this happened to me several times, a buyer's agent would take the image off the MLS. And they would make a postcard out of it and say, just sold in your area. And they would send it out to all the people in the neighborhood with my picture on it. Someone that I didn't meet, someone that I didn't get contracted by to shoot that home. They didn't even send you an email say, would you mind if I use your, can I pay you to use, they they? They just took it. They don't know who I am. And that's that's another problem with the MLSs, I think. But um, so I've, I've I've caught people in the act of this. And I've had to call them. And I've said, hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry, you're using my image. Um, it's not on the web, so I can't ask you to take it down. You've already printed a thousand postcards and you've sent it out there into the world and people have it. That's how I got a hold of it. And um, usually when I hear about it, it's because the agent who did pay me to do it works in, heavily in that neighborhood and got the postcard and said, hey, I paid for this. Why is this on here? Yeah, that's some bullshit right there. So, you know. Um, I've, unfortunately, unfortunately, I've had to make the calls. Uh, fortunately, the people involved have complied and have paid me a licensing fee to, to use the image. And it's not that I want to gouge them. It's that. No, it's your work, man. It's my work. Yeah. And as the creator and copyright holder of the image, uh, that is my ability to earn income. You know, um, it, it'd be no different than me, uh, 
going to your client and saying, let's list your home. Forget this guy. Forget this agent. Man. Yeah. Let's list this home ourselves. You know, I can give you all the tools you need. And, and, um, it's kind of, it's, it's a stab. It's, um, and, and unfortunately it's happened a lot. And so the MLSs have caught on to that and they've said, you know, I've seen the bulletins that they post where they say, you are not entitled to use these images once they posted, please leave them alone. Maybe that has subsided a little bit, but now we have this sort of underlying copyright issue where in sort of threatening language, they're saying, please have your photographer sign this over. Um, don't comply. If you're listening to this, do not comply with that. Send them back a heaping go fuck yourself. Yeah. All right. You're talking about people's ability to make money and art. And if they can't make money with art, you're back to selling shit with fucking iPhone pictures again. Okay. That's right. Because if they can't feed themselves and how much, just wrap the top of your head, how many, how many thousands of dollars do you have in equipment and software? Because I want to make this case really strong. Because I hear this um, other case, well, they already got paid for the picture and they already posted it up and I was using it for do so. But they don't think, I don't think they necessarily think through just the costs oh, before your time is even involved, just yeah. the capital costs in equipment and software. You're looking at um, software is nowadays is annual. So you're looking at $600,000 a year just in software. You're looking at $20,000 in gear at any one time, not including computers. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's hefty, you know? Um, and I gotta, that's, that's gear that I, you know, every five years I got to look at Ye- fixing or rotating. I or, was going to point out yeah. what, what is how long before you have to go through and replace it was a legacy cost on this shit too. Right. Cause it yeah. seems like we're always jumping ahead into new, better every year. The pace of advancement is it's, incredible. It's almost sickening. I mean, cause all they do is is feed photographers lusting for, for yeah. better gear. You know, I mean, <laughs> I love that lusting uh, for better gear. I mean, I Canon just made an announcement yesterday on, on a new camera. That oh my god, but it's six grand for the camera. You know, Andy and, was and, up late last night thinking about this six thousand dollar camera. Yeah, I mean, but you know, uh, let's get real. What I have right now is it's first of all, it's not that old, but second of all, it's it's taking incredible photos right now, and um that's when the reality check sets in, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, I, yeah, I, I want it all, you know, sure. Yeah. But paying for it's another, yeah. The whole nother um, thing. These days I think you can, I mean, I know people that are shooting with uh, the original Canon 5d still for real estate. It's a full frame camera. It's meaning the sensor is a full 35 millimeter sensor. Most cameras aren't, if you didn't know that. Um, and, it's been around since, I don't, I don't know, someone will have to correct me on this. I'm probably wrong, but I'm sure it's early 2000s or early to mid to, to before the teens anyway, right? It's been out a long time, and that camera still holds its own, you know, for, for this type of work. Now, you know, does it hold its own for weddings these days? Well, people use it, but it's, it doesn't perform in low light, and it's slow, and it's lagging. And so, yeah, I mean, there's advancements. I would say it's reasonable if you keep your gear up and send it in for adjustments and cleaning and stuff like that. Occasionally I'd say it's reasonable to keep your gear for five to five plus years. I mean, yeah. so tens of thousands and startup capital just to do it. Plus your time. Plus quite frankly, on the MLS, there's lots of little fields in there. I don't understand why they couldn't put a field in that said photographer. 
Thank you. Or maybe <laughs> agency or it, so with it, a little link to the website or maybe an email. This would not be difficult. And then maybe they can negotiate a licensing fee. They click through exactly. the web. You want to know the most sickening part about it is that in the workflow, when you export your images, you now have the ability to write all of that information right to the file. And so they should be able to, on import of the file for the MLS, they should be able to read that data and go, put that right in that field. Yeah. You know, it's not that hard. Facebook can do it. If I, if I put that information and upload my image to Facebook, it shows right in the, in the subheading of the image that it's my image. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that's something that's coming soon because, um, Right now, there's a lot of debate about it. I don't understand what the debate is. If you want these beautiful pictures and you want people to do them, they have to get paid for their work. This is not that fucking hard, you know? And I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but it is something it's, that it's a huge deal. annoys the shit out of me. Because here's the thing. If it does end up being a real thing, it is a real thing. If it ends up being that they enforce it to some degree, it's going to drive the pricing of the photography up because there's, there's just no way I can keep it affordable and give up my copyright to the yeah. image. And, and why would you give up your copyright to the Exactly. I, I don't, you For created the right money, it. I would. Yeah. You know. If this was a break on a car, if this was a piece of a rocket, uh, if this was a logo, if this was a corporate logo, this shit wouldn't even be up for debate. Sure. You'd be gang raped by 20,000 lawyers and you would immediately cease and desist and everybody would un- immediately understand it and it wouldn't be a problem. But for some reason, because it's a picture, people get, I call it, I'm going to go say they go full retard. Never yeah. go full retard, folks. <laughs> it's not a and, good thing. And, you know, I think some of it stems from the syndication that people do today, you know, from being pulled and I, I don't know that you have to forgive me. I don't know the whole flow of things anymore. Like is the MLS and then it goes to realtor.com, but then it syndicates to Zillow and Trulia or it doesn't anymore or something. But regardless there, that one image posting on the MLS spreads. And I think that that's where a lot of this copyright issue stems from. Mm. So do you lead with education on that when you're dealing with agents like, Hey, look, Yada yada. I I don't know how you have these conversations because I I would just get exhausted with it too. I mean, well, I don't know that it's really been so much of an issue until recently. Hmm. Um, so I'm I'm kind of working on how to how to approach that. Yeah, I haven't really had that come up. What what I don't want to happen is is what happened with music and movies too, where people just think it's okay to steal. And I'm gonna. I'm as guilty as the next person, especially when I was in my early 20s at not putting this together. So I'm truly not judging. But if you haven't paid for it, you're fucking stealing. If it's a movie and it's music and it's a picture and especially if you're using it to make money. I mean, it's still stealing if you're not making money, but you cross over into distribution if you're doing it. I'm not sticking up for the movie business or the music business. I think they made lots of mistakes. But facts are facts. Stealing is stealing. These are people's livelihood. Um, I take a strong stance on this now because if we want people to do these things, they, they have to get paid. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. You want these things, you have to pay for them. Otherwise, they go away. Yeah. And then you can't pay for them. And with the MLS, it would not be that hard to do. Like, they could just put a little thing. If you go to download the photo from the MLS, it tags it with the... Uh, 
andyschwartz.com in the bottom corner. If you want a clean image, contact me for licensing fees. It doesn't even have to be a watermark. I mean, if if they can just educate who who it is and and say that, you know, enforce the fact that it's uh, illegal to grab this and use it for your own good, you know. Um, Also, I'd also like to point out the irony and that if you tried to steal some of the information from the MLS... That's right. You would probably have SWAT show up at your door and fucking pistol whip you to half to death and drag you off and and that would be the end of that. They're pretty they're pretty heavy handed on that. So okay, I don't want to go any more of that. I just sure. wanted to talk about it, put it out there yeah. and I also if you're gonna go take an image and do that, don't do that. Don't do that. There are free stock photos or contact them and pay the licensing fee. That's so, right. Was there anything that I didn't cover that you would like to talk about and or the future of Mr. Andy Schwartz. Boy, not, not really. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we've, we've covered everything that I was hoping to talk about today. Good. Um, I'm glad, you know, as far as, uh, you know, I, I've already talked to you a little bit about where I hope to go this year, and and you know, I'm just kind of let a little kinda, closer to the mic. Yeah, just going to kind of ride ride it, and yeah. um, uh, hopefully uh, achieve my goals this year and go from there. So, okay, well, this is my first interview where I didn't know the person. Okay, not interview conversation. My first conversation where I didn't know you as well as I thought I would. So I tried to do my best to do my homework and sure. i appreciate that i didn't miss anything it lets me know i'm doing something somewhat right to folks you should definitely go check him out this i'm not kidding when i say that pitchers are the tip of the spear pitchers sell i think we're stuck in this pitcher world good and bad pro and con for a very long time um, I'm not even entirely sure that video can replace pictures. There's just something about a picture. Um, so I highly recommend you go check him out. You can check him out on Twitter and Instagram at Andy Schwartz, A-N-D-Y-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-S. And also on Twitter and Instagram at Stylish Detroit. Definitely go check out his website too, stylishdetroit.com. He is available for hire. And he's got some goals, and you should go check it out. Um, definitely go check out his Instagram for sure. There's some pretty amazing shit on there. Um, I want to thank my guest, Andy, for coming out. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know you're a little nervous about it, but I think you did really well. And um, at some point, I'd like to have you you back on, too. I'd love to. Anytime. Um, yeah, it was, this was good. I had a good time. And uh, I had some more stuff, but two hours and 20 minutes, I think we're, we're pretty good. Um, again, at Andy Schwartz and at Stylish Detroit, Twitter and Instagram, stylishdetroit.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast and find it helpful, it is a free podcast. Give it a like, share it, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, all that stuff really does help. I'm not, uh, I'm not just doing this for myself or to hear myself talk. Um, please share it. All right. And if there are any comments or suggestions, maybe I'm not asking questions you would like to hear or maybe there's a guest you'd like me to have on, let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at 
Jeremy Burgess, same on Instagram, and you go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know every week, I know there are distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits, bad starts, lots of things preventing you from moving forward. Set some goals. Pick one. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's one step. And I want to thank you for listening, and I appreciate your attention. I know there's a lot of things you could be doing right now rather than listening to this podcast, and I want to say thank you. I really appreciate that you are listening, and it makes me feel good that you are. Uh, I think we're up to about 200 listeners, which is uh, not bad in six months with not much promotion. So thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. And until next week, crush it.